Uh, I want to take a step back and assess where the right stands in the three core centers of power in contemporary society. In culture, the situation's been dire, and we, we know that. Uh, it's almost passé. Uh, once, ordinary Christian families could often make Hollywood submit to their censure uh, when they tried to propagate some novel form of degeneracy. Uh, cultural tastemakers used to feel the need to at least pretend like they loved the country uh, that they live in, and their profit motive relied on broad-based support uh, to a domestic audience of largely normal people. Today, Hollywood regularly denigrates the country it relies on to exist. They pander to minority constituencies and stoke social division. They give veto power of their movies to the communist Chinese, and they're so captured by parochial interests that they can't even make decent movies anymore, because Top Gun being the exception. And that reduces the attractive power of the American way of life. Uh, in capital, we see the biggest own goal of any political movement in recent world history. The Republican Party became the eager and willing handmaidens of corporate power over the last 30 years and barely got paid minimum wage for it. Uh, I'm not sure if an article precisely titled The Social Conservative Case for Capital Gains Tax Cuts was ever published somewhere, uh, but even if it wasn't intentionally written, I'm sure one can be forgiven for worrying it would just spontaneously emerge from the ether. Um, by not only being willing corporate clients, uh, but developing elaborate intellectual justifications for the inherent pre-political morality of Goldman Sachs, uh, we lost any bargaining power we may have with the largest companies the world has ever seen. Uh, the way it works, you see, is that if you are a benign, maybe even conservative CEO somewhere in the country, and you are doing your fiduciary duty to your shareholders, you look at risk, and you only really assess it on one side of the ledger. If you do not do what the left says, they will will hurt you. They will find economic and political ways to injure you and your company. Uh, if you do something that makes the right angry, the right selected officials will uh, raise some money off of it, go on Fox News and complain, and then precisely give you whatever tax cut, amnesty, or corporate giveaway that you had been asking them for all the live long while. Um, as a result of this imbalance, uh, Fortune 500 companies have hired millions of risk managers uh, for the existential threat that the left poses them. Most people call these risk managers DEI employees, but make no mistake, they're an insurance policy merited by the systematic failure of the right. Uh, the spigot of campaign contributions to us is drying up. Uh, corporations now wage virtue signaling wars against Red America, and the right had lost yet another organ of power in American life. And finally, in government, uh, the right faces its final test if it wants to turn away from being completely destroyed in this country. Uh, we can win elections, especially if we actually run on something other than slashing Social Security and sending our base to die in foreign wars. Uh, but we don't have a particularly good track record of doing much with power, even if we get it. We've demonized civil service, so the administrative state and career bureaucracy is exclusively the patronage outlet of the left. And even becoming a senator or a member of Congress requires prostrating yourself and saying how bad the job is, how soon you plan on quitting, and how quickly uh, you intend on, on not doing much at all. Uh, President Trump did get elected on a platform, a real platform of American greatness anew, uh, but he was unable to implement it because we didn't have the people he needed to staff the political bureaucracy and get things done. Uh, that will never happen again. Uh, my friends and allies will spend every last moment of our energy ensuring that. Um, these problems have been diagnosed by many of you indeed. Uh, Rusty and Will talked about them a little bit as well. The question is what comes next for people who want to right this imbalance of power. First, I, I really have no interest in conserving the status quo, and, and neither should you. There is no place in this moment of time for polite and orderly caretakers of American decline. Uh, I treasure the great tradition of the ancients as much as any of you, but uh, there's little that a temperamental comfort with the status quo has to offer a movement uh, for the task ahead. Um, 
Second, there's no unwinding the state of affairs uh, cleanly to the status quo ante. Restorationist politics is essentially live-action role-play. Personally, there's little that'll change in the world around us by mustering the superhuman will to pantomime a lifestyle from a 1900 sweet potato farm. Uh, Politically, the consensus of generations past, which was often healthier than what we have today, relied on core assets we no longer have, uh, broad religiosity, a smaller state, less developed corporate superstructure, and most importantly, a level of technological development, which is more determinative of the course of human events than any idea cooked up in a grad school seminar. Uh, There is no going back. There is no returning with a V or otherwise. Um, There is only what we can create, a new social construct with the few tools, many people, and a political vision to uh, adopt a posture of what I'm calling American creation, implemented as quickly as possible, or we risk losing a truly great country and consigning millions of people to illegitimate rule. Um, so creating, creating new vectors of power uh, that can actually implement change, it's, it's very messy, and there's all sorts of reasons why we're not well-suited to do it right now. It requires a kind of realism about how politics and power work, a realism that many in right-leaning intellectual circles simply do not have. Uh, part of the reason for this is simple. Many of the leading lights on the right uh, are people who either are academics or would be in the academy if it wasn't so closed off to talented conservative thinkers. Uh, the academic temperament prioritizes constant argumentation about dogma an obsession with theory, and above all, a consistency that is alien to real politics. Uh, Even the disciplines we pull these academics from skew us towards error. We have many political theorists and philosophers where maybe sociologists and historians, people who study the practical realities of regimes and what they do to polities would serve us a little bit better. Uh, I guess what I'm saying is that if there's another essay that needs to be written, if it must, it's uh, the conservative case against writing essays at each other until we all die. So so rather than lay out the theoretical constructs for what a strategy of implementing creation would look like, I think there's one crystal clear example that we can look to uh, where the right has taken a practical and serious approach for the last 50 years, something that's really rare. It's the oil and gas industry. Uh, For the past half century, uh, the oil and gas industry has been one of the few places where you're allowed to do patronage politics on the right. Uh, All the principal think tanks are happy to turn the other cheek on federal protectionism for the industry. They valorize the onshoring of the supply chains. They make it virtuous that they employ blue-collar people. And uh, in turn, many in that industry are willing to be serious and engaged patrons for building the other infrastructure that the right needs beyond their their core interest. Uh, It suited everyone really quite well, uh, even if it occasionally involved a a little bit of unprincipled politicking. Uh, We reward friends in that one case. Uh, Others on this are much more qualified to tell how we can punish other people to complement that. The others on this stage will too. Uh, But here's maybe some ideas on how we can create new nodes uh, of power like we did with the oil and gas industry uh, under the growing governing power that we're likely to achieve in the coming years. Um, I think trade's one of the easiest places we can do this. Uh, We can easily port the strategy that we took with that industry uh, on energy production to almost every other core manufactured good. Uh, We are not a tiny inland plot of land consigned to the whims of greater powers. We're not Belgium. Uh, We are a transcontinental empire with massive oceans on either side of us, immense natural resources, and a talented and capable workforce that can take advantage of it. We can chart our own destiny. So in the coming years, let's close the spigot of unlimited free trade and let's develop develop a serious policy agenda focused on creating industries anew in this country and building up the key ones that already exist um, 
and that any power in the world would consider core to their national interest if they expected to be taken seriously. Steel, silicon, food, medicine, uh, these are all things that at various points in American history we made to great success and we can and will make again. This is moral because it's not just malpractice to not do these things, uh, not only because it helps reward the members of our base who would profitably be employed in these industries, uh, but because creating these client interests of, com of companies and industries that are focused on building things here uh, would create the client interests committed to the right's political success that could bolster the tools available to us in terms of corporate power or financial resources and more. Uh, so as we acquire new political power in these next few months and years, let's be a little bit less principled and build an interconnected web of interests uh, committed to our political success rather than expecting to constantly fight that tide of power allied against us. It'll take time, uh, but we need to start now, otherwise we're going to be hopelessly outgunned. On foreign policy, we see the consequences of the American right's failure to think in terms of practical power. The impulse to reward friends and engage in the political doesn't go away, even though we haven't done it much, and so we deploy all of it on the right in our foreign policy. Uh, we regularly market military service as a way to join the middle class, and we use our military industrial complex to create financial clients for the right. Um, I think a part of the F-35 is made in every congressional district in America. I promise that's not the organic free market at play. Um, you know, the only problem with using the military as your primary vector to reward friends uh, is that it's the dumbest possible way to do it. Uh, we've sent thousands of middle-class young men driven by nationalistic pride to die in foreign wars so that the pride flag flies from Pyongyang to Tehran to London. It's a terrible way to do it. We should do something else. We, we have to pare back our military engagement abroad and, and recommit those resources towards our allies domestically because if we don't, it doesn't matter what we do on domestic policy. The beast we've fed will seek to destroy any nationalist movement that seeks power. And for the threats we do face, uh, breaking the dominance of the defense primes and reallocating those contracts to the many young right-wing men that lead new defense companies in Silicon Valley might make our military actu actually capable of deterring Chinese technological and military supremacy. The century could be a good idea. Um, lastly, on, on immigration, the border crisis is ultimately just a war on normal people. There's little consequence for people in the sheltered dens of the Hamptons, of Bel Air, of Palm Beach, or the Palisades. They get cheap labor and they get moral uh, comfort. The middle class people do suffer, though, as their wages depreciate, the quality of their communities deteriorates, and their political power is diluted. Uh, at every wage level, uh, our legal immigration regime, not only our illegal immigration regime, is a spigot used by our political enemies for their benefit and to the detriment of our people. Uh, this is obvious at the low end where the lion's share of migration happens because of the border crisis, but I'd, I'd submit to you that high-end immigration, uh, that system that we have today is largely a lie perpetrated against the American people to steal rungs of the economic ladder away from them. Our guest worker programs, our high school visa programs, and other schemes of corporate welfare, they prey on the idea in people's minds that we're bringing Einsteins into our country. Well, the problem is, is that uh, there aren't millions of Einsteins in the world, and that's why we've blown these programs way out of proportion. Um, you know, it's kind of like a situation uh, like the Afghanistan refugees from last year. You were led to believe that there were just millions of translators uh, that were coming out of that country. Um, just like there's not uh, a million Afghani translators, uh, uh, we're not bringing in millions of Einsteins every year. Uh, uh, usually it's something like a 45K a year tech worker brought in from Nepal. They're not going to invent the next iPhone. They're usually a way for us to, one, tell people that they need to learn to code and then have no coding jobs available for them. Uh, seal the border, enough with mass immigration for the next decade, and let's give the American people back their culture, their economy, and their safety. There's just 
probably no more critical issue of rewarding the people who constitute our base. Uh, people in Silicon Valley who fancy themselves builders will hate what I just said. They'll ask how it creates anything. But the truth is our ruling class in this country has a series of cop-outs available to it uh, for decades that have prevented it from doing anything novel or innovative and creating anything at all. Why innovate when you can arbitrage across borders? Why innovate when you can graft dollars from the defense sector? And why innovate when you can boost the bottom line by importing a foreign indentured service class that will do everything you ask and rarely demand higher standards? If we build a constellation of economic interests that will support and bolster our agenda, starve the military-industrial complex that atrophies our instincts and hurts our base, and seal the leaky faucets in our immigration regime that allow our ruling class to create nothing. If we do that, uh, in the coming years, we'll see a tectonic shift in the systems of power in this country, and maybe, just maybe, we can build an American society where the forces of capital, culture, and government aren't conspiring to dispossess the right of its moral claim to govern this country. Thank you. Thank you.